0: Hello, welcome to the online gathering of Reach Life Church. My name is Terry Hollifield, and I'm one of the pastors of Reach Life. And today we are beginning a new series called God Is. You know, I think it's uh, really interesting that right now in this weird time in the world, people are asking lots of questions about God. And I think it's by God's providence that we are asking those kinds of questions because he wants us to ask them And I believe it's by God's providence that we are at this place as a church now beginning this series over the next coming weeks, where we will be looking at the attributes of God. We want to see God for who he really is. And the great news is that that news about God, the the real truth about God is actually knowable. We can really know the truth about God through what he has made through his interactions with people throughout history as recorded in the Bible and declarations that he has made directly about himself. So we really can know God, and that's going to be our endeavor for the next few weeks. And we're so excited about I'm excited about it. I hope you will be, too, about digging into who God is. And today, if you consider that we really can know God, it's amazing. And we're going to start today with the idea that God is God. Now, that may sound um, unnecessary to say or self-explanatory or kind of weird, but I want to show you why um, it's important and why it's, in, why it's a powerful thing to begin with and why it's a necessary thing to begin with. And in, the, in the series, we're going to talk about God's attributes like his power, his wisdom, his moral perfection, all of those things. But this idea that God is God is the grounding of all of those other things and so we're going to begin there today and our key passage for today is going to be in exodus chapter 3 if you have your copy of the word of god you may want to go ahead and turn there exodus chapter 3 and we're going to look at um, verses 13 through 20 And this is a critical point in the history of the world where god has revealed himself to a man named moses and in this account that we're going to read the angel of the lord comes to moses and the lord recruits moses sort of drafts him into service to go into Egypt and deliver a message to the Hebrew people, of which Moses was a part, to those Hebrew people who are in bondage and slavery in Egypt and say that God is going to set you free. And then also to take that message to the king in Egypt, Pharaoh, and say that God says, let my people go. And so we're picking up today in Exodus chapter 3, verses 13 through 21. Then Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. And go and gather the elders of Israel together and say to them, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob, has appeared to me, saying, I have observed you and what has been done to you in Egypt. And I promise that I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt to the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, a land flowing with milk and honey. And they will listen to your voice, and you and the elders of Israel shall go to the king of Egypt and say to him, The Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us. Now please let us go three days' journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. And God says, but I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless compelled by a mighty hand. So I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all the wonders that I will do in it. And after that, he will let you go. I wanted us to read that passage for context. But the main thing we're going to focus in on today is just a central part of that passage. In fact, it's a central word in that passage. And that is the name of God himself as revealed to this man, Moses. And it's the personal name of God. And God says it's the name that he wants to be known as throughout all of time. It's going to be what grounds our understanding that God is God. He reveals that in his personal name. And the implications of God having a name, just the idea that God has a name, Means that God is a personal being. He's a being with personhood. In fact, as we've learned in our studies um, as a church and throughout our uh, study of the book of Genesis and the Gospel of John, we've seen that God is actually tri-personal. He is Father, Son, Spirit, three persons comprising one being, God. And if that's a new concept to you, or you're not very familiar with that, I'm going to leave a link down in the description. To another sermon that uh, we've done that goes into that a little bit more and um, maybe that'll help you begin to explore that idea but the implications of God having a personal name that God is a real being is amazing it has implications for us right here right now today so we're gonna dig into some some heavy stuff today um, but there the implications for us are very personal and very real because God is very personal and very real. So, we're going to see that today. Um, we're going to see through how God revealed himself to Moses that Moses and the people of Israel could look to God for guidance and goodness and sustenance, and so can we today to the same God, the God of Moses. So, essentially, we're looking at God's name today. The other thing about him having a name, not only does it make him a personal being, a being with personhood, it also means that God has an identity that there's an objectivity about God, that he is who he is, and that when he gives his name for himself to Moses, that name of God will reveal a lot to us about who God is. It's his personal name. So that's why we're opening up this series called God Is by looking at God's name, because it reveals some very profound things to us about who God is. And what we're going to see as we go through, is that the name of God, above all things, reveals to us that he alone is God, that he is different than anything else, right? That's what it means, part of what it means when he says, I am who I am. Um, God is um, the only eternal, self-existing being. In other words, uh, ultimately, there's only two parts of reality. There's God, and there's everything else. There's God, the creator, the eternal, the self-existing one, and everything else depends on God for its existence. As um, the late pastor S.M. Lockery says, who we're going to hear from later, God stands in the solitude of himself. There is nothing and no one like God. And so this name um, that God gives for himself, I am who I am. And then he explains that he gives the personal name. You see it there in your Bibles the Lord. He tells Moses, tell them the Lord sent you. This is what I'm supposed to be known as forever. And that name, the Lord, may sound pretty generic to you. And that's, that's because it is. And the reason it's generic is because the translators of the Hebrew Bible um, chose not to translate that word. They actually chose to transliterate that word. They, they replaced it um, and so when you see that word, the, uh, the Lord, in all capital letters in your Bible, you know that it's the name of the Lord that's being referred to. So what is the name of the Lord? Well, in the original Hebrew text, the name of the Lord was Y-H-W-H, probably pronounced something like Yahweh. Now, I just want to pause and, and have a piece of clarification here. The Jews were extremely cautious in their reading of of the bible the the old testament the word of god and when they came to this name of the lord they wouldn't pronounce it instead they would pronounce adonai which means my lord or they would say elohim which can mean uh, a generic name for god um, or or something like that so by the way this is where the word uh, jehovah comes from that you may often hear in english Uh, like the King James Version translation of the name of God. Jehovah is actually a mix of Yahweh, Adonai, and Elohim as those words kind of pass through the Latin translations of the Bible. Uh, But God's name is actually Yahweh, and he has given that to Moses. And so when English translators then came along to translate the Bible, they substituted the Lord, much like the Hebrew translators back in the day would, where they put Adonai. And, of course, the, um, the intent there is really good. We don't want to take the Lord's name in an undue casual way and certainly not in a blasphemous way. That's one of the Ten Commandments. It's a really important thing. Uh, the negative side of that is that it, it actually removes the real name that God has revealed to Moses. But we do still have that the Lord's name is Yahweh. And he says that that name specifically is what he wants to be known as throughout all generations. So God's name is Yahweh. And for us today, what I want us to see is what that name tells us about God. Notice that God gives three answers to the question of what shall I tell them your name is when Moses asked that. God gives three answers. In verse 14, God says, I am who I am. And then again in verse 14, he says, tell them the I am has sent me to you. And then in verse 15, God says, Yahweh has sent me to you, this is my name forever, right? So God says, tells Moses, tell them that Yahweh sent me, Moses, to you people, and that he wants to be known as this name forever. Um, so what does that mean? When you ask God, what's your name? And he answers, I am who I am. What is it? What? Let's try to, make, try to make sense of that. So the Hebrews knew God as many titles. They would, again, call him Adonai, which means Lord. They would call him the Almighty. They would call him the Lord of hosts the provider, those, those sorts of things. But in Exodus, Moses was asking for something much more. Moses was asking for God's personal, actual name. And when God gave that name, we can know that it is, is bubbling with meaning. Well, the first thing that he says, as we saw there in verse 14, he says, I am who I am. This points us back to those of you who walked with us through the book of Genesis. This points us back to Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, that says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Heavens and the earth, that's, that's everything, right? So there was God and nothing else. And God, from nothing, created the heavens and the earth, everything else. And uh, Aristotle has called nothingness what rocks dream about, right? Absolutely nothing. No thing. So there was no pre-existing matter, nothing like that. There was only God. And then God created everything else. God is the creator. All things other um, other than God depend on God for their existence. All other things, including us, are finite, right? We are limited. God is infinite. We are temporal. In other words, we're, we're stuck in time. God is eternal, because he created space-time itself. And um, so this, this eternal uncreated being, is the one who is talking to Moses in our passage today. And the powerful thing about that for us is that this eternal self-existing one, the I am, can you imagine, wants us to know him like Moses knew him. It's an incredible thing. So let's put some legs on all this. What does it mean for us? I want to look at several things that follow directly that we can know about God because of his name, Yahweh, the I Am, and that apply to us directly right here. The first thing is that God is. He exists. Francis Schaefer has worded that God is there. He really is there. And for some of you, that may be a little bit of a barrier. Maybe you're a little bit skeptical about that. Maybe you're not quite so sure if God is real. And um, that's okay. We'd love to walk with you in exploring the reality of God. I'm going to, again, put some links down in the description for you uh, to begin um, exploring that idea of the reality of God, how, how you can actually know that God really is there. And we would love to talk with you more about that. But for most of us, we believe God is there, but if we're honest in the reality and sort of the, the everydayness of our lives, particularly in times of trouble, we can begin to have our thinking in such a way that practically speaking, God isn't there, or we feel like God isn't there. That can be our mindset, but contained in this name, Yahweh. The self-existing one, the I am, is the reality that God is there. And here's the amazing thing. Because he's God and he's there, he's also here. He's right here with us today. Even in the difficult transitions and weirdness and, and wackiness in our lives that will come at, at sometimes unknown times and they will hit us out of the blue, God is here. God is with us. It's the first thing that follows with his name being Yahweh, the self-existing one. He is. He exists. He's really there and he's really here. Secondly, it follows then by God's very nature because he's there and because he's God, because he's Yahweh, that he, God, is the greatest possible being. See, because God is God and God is actually there just by his name, Yahweh, we know that there isn't anything that could possibly be greater than God. And here's one of the reasons I want to point that out. There is some popularity among skeptics on, on the interwebs, out on the internet, and maybe you've had this question yourself. The idea that, well, you know, if God made anything or made everything, then who made God? Seems like an unanswerable question. Maybe seems like a good question, but I want to illustrate for you that it's actually not a great question. It's actually a misplaced question. It's a category error. That's why it sounds unanswerable. So imagine if I were to ask you, what is the name of the sister of the only child? Right? Or what if I were to ask you, who is the bachelor married to? You couldn't possibly answer that question, but it's not because it's some profound Difficult questions because it's a misplaced by, it's a misplaced question. Only children, by definition, don't have sisters. Bachelors, by definition, aren't married, right? So it's a misplaced question. And only things that come into being need creators. If something is eternal, like God is, and by the way, like something has to ultimately be, there has to be something that was uncreated. It can't be an infinite regress, right? because God is eternal, he's not the kind of being that needs a creator. He is the creator and he simply exists. That's what God is saying when he says, I am. We'll talk more about that here in just a little bit. You're going to see how even more profound and more powerful that it, that that answer is when God says, Moses, this is who I am. I am who I am. Um, And that's what Moses is realizing in our passage today, that God is eternal. God is everlasting. All things depend on God. Only God is eternal and self-existent. God created this space-time that's making us ask so many questions right now. Maybe it's so difficult because of its fallen state. God is God, and in this state, Moses is learning his people are in Egypt in slavery, yet he can turn to God and God has promised to deliver his people. And I want us to see that as well. That we can know the God of Moses because only God is God. He's the same God today, yesterday, and forever. We really can know him. So those are the first two things that follow from the reality that God's name is Yahweh. The third thing that follows from God's name being Yahweh, the I am, the self-existing one is that we can know the truth about God. We really can know the truth about God. And because we really can know the truth about God, it's important that what we believe about God actually matches who God really is. Again, he's a personal being. He's a a being with identity. And so what we believe about God needs to honor God by matching who he really is. Is. John Piper, theologian and pastor, says there comes a point when you stand face to face with absolute reality and realize that he simply is who he is. And so when God says, I am who I am to Moses and to us here today, he's asserting himself. God is saying, you must, uh, I am who I am and you must humbly accept me for who I am, says God. So, um, you know, we may have baggage in our past as it relates to God or our present may be confused uh, as it relates to God. We may have some uh, baggage with us or uh, maybe wounds from the church or things like that that we may be tempted to project upon God or or things that we were taught growing up or whatever. uh, and project that onto God. What I would encourage us to do is to see God for who God reveals himself to be. Um, And actually, the fact that we not only must, but can humbly accept God for who he really is, is super great news, because as we've studied the book of John and the book of Genesis and the Bible in general, we have seen who God really is, and God is good, and God is just, and he hears our cries, and he has a perfect plan, and it will Come to pass, and he will work all things to the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. We know that God can do those things. So we should be so glad that God is who he is, and we really can know the truth about God. The next thing that follows, and here's where I want you to pull in close and sit with me for a minute. The reality that God is Yahweh, the self-existing one, has also revealed to us that the real God has drawn near to us in the person of Jesus Christ. You know, I mentioned Francis Schaefer earlier who says God is there. That the completed statement from Francis Schaefer is that God is there and he has not been silent What Francis Schaeffer is saying is that God has revealed himself to us, yes, in creation, yes, in his interactions with people throughout history, yes, in declarations about himself in the Bible, but also in most clearly in the person of Jesus Christ. And we've, again, talked about God being a triune being, Father, Son, and Spirit. And that reality is that God the Son was sent by God the Father To remain fully God, but also be born fully as a human being. To live a perfect, sinless life. To pay the perfect atonement for our transgressions against God. And be buried. And then raise again, as we've talked about with Resurrection Sunday just a few weeks ago, to prove that his claims about himself were true. And that his redemption for all who put their trust in him is a sure thing. That's what we mean when God, the real God who's really there, has drawn near to us in Jesus. And this has everything to do with God's revealing himself as the I Am, as Yahweh, because in John chapter 8, verse 58, Jesus is being questioned by some of the religious leaders of his day, some skeptics of his time, some people looking to trip him up. And Jesus reveals to them his true identity. In John chapter 8, verse 58, Jesus says this, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was born, I am. Don't miss what Jesus is saying there. He says, before Abraham was born, I am. Not only is he claiming to be uh, existing before a man who was born hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years before him, but he is saying the name, I am. The original Greek there in John 8:58 is ego emi, where ego means I, emi means exist. Before Abraham was, I exist, present tense, eternal, Jesus says. The, um, the Bible in Jesus's day was known as the Septuagint. It was a Greek translation of the Old Testament. And in that Greek translation of the Old Testament, when it comes to, to um, Exodus 3, when it talks about the I am, it uses these words that Jesus is using to his critics right here, ego emi. So when God um, reveals his name to Moses, God says ego emi. And Jesus is revealing his true identity to his critics here today by saying ego emi, I am, before Abraham was, before Abraham, the great leader of the Jewish people, before Abraham was, I am, says Jesus And the religious leaders, they're listening to that, had their jaws dropped and they were incensed. They knew exactly what Jesus was saying because at the time they picked up stones to stone him for blasphemy, for claiming to be God. They got the exact point that Jesus was making about himself. The interesting thing would be that in a few, uh, just a short period of time later, they would um, demand that Pilate had Jesus executed and then Jesus would raise from the dead, proving that his claim to be the I am was true. So do you know what that means for us individually and collectively here? It means that if, and only if, by the way, we are trusting our lives to Jesus as God and Lord of our lives, then that means you are trusting in the same mighty God, who delivered the Egyptians or delivered the Hebrews out of slavery to the Egyptians. You are trusting your life to the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And specifically, you're trusting yourself to the way that he has made for you to be reconciled to him. It's the same way that all the Old Testament laws and prophets and scriptures were pointing to. The whole Old Testament law was pointing to, To the fact of the coming Messiah, and the Messiah is Jesus, the Savior. Yahweh saves, Yeshua, Jesus, the I AM. You know, we need to um, realize that God is offering to make a covenant with us personally, individually, just like He did with Moses. This is an incredible truth. It reminds me of maybe for some of us, like Thomas in the New Testament who doubted. Thomas was someone who had a hard time coming to wrestle with the reality that Jesus is God. And Jesus appears graciously to Thomas, the doubter, and he gives him evidence that he really is who he says he is. He says, Thomas, put your finger in my hand, put your hand in my side. And Thomas falls on his knees and in his Greek, uh, his native Greek language, he says, ha kurios mu, ha theos mu. He says at the feet of Jesus, the Lord of me, the God of me. He's recognizing not just that Jesus is Lord, not just that Jesus is God, but that Jesus is the Lord of him. Jesus is the God of him. And what did Jesus do to Thomas? He embraced Thomas, he loved Thomas, he saved Thomas. And I'm telling you, he'll do the same thing for you. Jesus wants you to know him. He wants you to experience life and love to the full with him. And that's the only place those things are found to the full. So we invite you to explore Jesus today. And maybe you're not quite there yet. Maybe you want to explore a little more and ask more questions and think things through. I would encourage you to do that. Absolutely. Jesus would have you and welcome you uh, to kind of press in and see who he really is but I would encourage you to be serious about it uh, because there's no question that's more important. I mean, we're talking about the creator God, Yahweh, the I am, the self-existing one, and you could have life with him. You could really know him, man. Uh, please take that seriously. And we hope you would take it seriously enough to maybe send an email, Terry at reachlifechurch.org. Let's talk about it. Let's begin a conversation on these things. And as we'll see in the coming weeks of this series, this God, the real God, who's actually there, who is eternal, who created space-time itself, desires a deep relationship with you. And he is good for his promises. He is all-powerful. He knows all things. He's morally perfect. We'll dig into those things as we go forward. This, na- this God, his name is the I Am. And he wants you to know him. My prayer for us today is Psalm 9, verse 10. It says, and those who know your name put their trust in you for you, O Lord, that's Yahweh, have not forsaken those who seek you. Listen, if you seek the Lord, he will be found. He wants you to find him. You really can know him. Again your past may be riddled your present may be unsteady aren't all of us your future may be unknown and isn't all future unknown not just right now but we don't we don't know tomorrow but I'm hoping that you will be like Thomas and have the confession of your mouth and the posture of your soul be one that Jesus is lord of me Jesus is god of me and then you can live life fully human as it's fully meant to live only Jesus is certain only Jesus is worth anchoring our souls. I want to show a video for you that we hope maybe will introduce more of Jesus to you, or maybe reintroduce Jesus to you. It's by the late Pastor S.M. Lockridge.
1: He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. Do you know him? He's the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed. The horizon of this world he's god's son he's a sinner's savior he's the centerpiece of civilization he's unparalleled he's unprecedented he is the loftiest idea in literature he's the highest personality in philosophy He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captive. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age. He rewards the diligent. And he beautifies the meek. I wonder if you know him. He's the key to knowledge. He's the wellspring of wisdom. He's the doorway of deliverance. He's the pathway of peace he's the roadway of righteousness he's the highway of holiness he's the gateway of glory do you know him well his life is matchless his goodness is limitless his mercy is everlasting his love never changes his word is enough his grace is sufficient his reign is righteous and his yoke is easy and his burden is lighter i wish i could describe him to you he's indescribable he's incomprehensible he's invincible he's irresistible you can't get him out of your mind you can't you can't get him off of your hands you can't outlive him and you can't live without him the pharisees couldn't stand him but they found out they couldn't stop him pilate couldn't find any fault in him herod couldn't kill him death couldn't handle him and the grave couldn't hold him hey that's my key.
0: Again, please contact us if we can pray for you or walk with you through a season of life, or if you have questions about anything that we discussed today, that would be our privilege. Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead, our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will,